Good evening, everyone. It is Halloween slash Reformation Sunday uh, that we are celebrating here. Glad to have you here. Those of you who are in the house, I know a lot of you are probably joining from online tonight, so welcome to each of you as well. If you are new, uh, welcome. I don't know if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. I'm Jack, a lead pastor here. Would love to the honor of just kind of hearing your name and hearing your story a little bit. And so we throw a party just for our new folks uh, right back here in the corner called the 10-Minute Party. Guess how long it lasts. 10 minutes or less. Uh, so we'd love to, if you're new, I'd love to personally meet you back there at the 10-minute party after service. And we have a gift for you. It is the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I'm telling you, it is super good. And we'll get it just for you. So if you are new, you can engage with us a couple different ways. If you want to text the word hello to our text number, which is 520-340-6868. If you're online, you could do that. Or you can hit the connection card button on the top right of the screen. If you're here, you could download our free app. Uh, just go to the app store, Elements City Church, type that in, you'll find us. Scroll down a tiny bit, you'll see connection card. If you scroll down further, you'll see kind of prayer request. You'll see sermon notes you can follow along with tonight. You can find out different events that are happening and things that are upcoming. Speaking of events, yesterday we worked with Emmanuel Baptist Church that is the owner of this building. They meet here in the morning, we meet at night, and we put on a Harvest Festival trunk or treat style. Yesterday had about, I don't know, 250 kids here that we were able to hand out and give a lot of sugar to. So we sugared them up, which is probably why they're all crashed at home uh, today. And we're going back out for round two. Uh, so we are just glad we got to invite a bunch of people to church. And we'll see you over the next couple of weeks. So you can pray with us that maybe those who aren't connected to a church somewhere would maybe take a risk and take a jump and come find out about us. And so that's one of the things I love about our church is how we're looking to connect in the community around us through whether that's doing events like that or whether it's the food distributions we do every second Saturday here. And that's a great way if you're new around here to, to kind of jump in and serve. You can serve on different teams around here with our e-kids or greeters, production team. And so lots of different ways to kind of get your feet in the door and begin to find a connection around here. So tonight we're going to worship. We're going to have a great time. We're wrapping up our series on Micah 6.8. So I am giving you 20 minutes right now. Now, to memorize Micah 6.8, because we're giving out free shirts for those who memorize. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give away a shirt. Tonight's the last night to win them. Like, next week, if you come, you're going to be like, I want a shirt. Tough, okay? You had your chance. I'm giving you 20 minutes right now to memorize Micah 6.8. So you can pull out your Bible app, look for that. But thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in online. Online, Laura might help you win a shirt if you're tuning in online. But today, what I'd love to invite you to do is stand up where you're at. And we are going to pray for our church of the week. Every week we pray for a different church around the city. We know there's a million plus people who are not connected to a faith community somewhere. And we want to bless the churches because we want to reach people who are not connected to a faith community yet. So tonight it's Connections Vineyard and Pastor David. Let's pray for them and pray for just our evening together tonight. And so would you join me in prayer? Father, we are grateful to gather together tonight as the church, whether we're here in the building or watching online or even watching later this week. God, we are the church, your people, and we pray for your church here in the city. We're asking that you continue to move in the midst of your people to reach those that they are connected to, to their friends and to their neighbors. God, we want to reach the people who are not connected to you yet. Uh, maybe they're curious about you, and we want them to know 
the, the life-giving hope that comes from Jesus. And so tonight we pray for Connections Vineyard. Pastor David there, we're asking your blessing over them, wisdom for their team, resources that they need, insight and in how to reach their community and the slice of the kingdom you've given them to tend. And we pray that for us as well. God, would you maximize our time as we kind of lean into your direction through worship, looking into your word tonight. Would you move in our midst and would you bless those who have gathered, bless those that are watching online. God, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather as your church. We pray your blessing over our time together tonight that we may leave different because we've been with you and with one another, we pray. And everyone said, amen.
sing a song that we've sang a few times already uh, before. It's a song called Fresh Wind. Um, but it's just, it's interesting how you can kind of get an idea of what's important to the church just based on the lyrics of the songs that are being written in that time in the church. And if you kind of look at the last 10 years, we, we have a lot of songs that are just about the friendship that we have with God, about his nearness, his closeness to us. Um, and if, if I'm being honest, a lot of them, they're, they're very me-centered. It's about what God does for me. And there can be a tendency where sometimes we start to think worship is more about us. And it's about our tendencies. It's about the things that we like and the things that we want. And if we're being honest, we, we live in a consumeristic culture where that's, that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? And so we need songs like this one. It's been a long time since I've heard a song that talks about the refiner's fire. And how many of you even think about that, where it's like, God, I wanna submit myself to the refiner's fire. Would you put me through suffering and put me through struggle so that on the other side of that, that you're gonna burn away the things that don't need to be a part of my life any longer. And yet that's what this song is about. And I love that second verse. Uh, for hearts uh, that long for that holy fear, purified with faith and deeds, refiner's fire, strengthen what remains, so that we, the church, who bear your light, for king and kingdom come, we pray. Like that, that whole mentality, man, that's just so foreign to our worship these days. And yet this prayer that we need a fresh wind, we need a fresh uh, pouring out of the Holy Spirit so that we can experience that revival that the Lord wants us to experience. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. And it's a tough thing to sing about because it's a tough thing to live through the refiner's fire, isn't it? And yet it's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. And so let's just, as we continue worshiping, uh, let's let this song be an anthem over tonight. I pray that you would allow this song to be your prayer, that'd be more than just words that we get to sing as a community, but this would be our heart's cry, that this would be a rallying cry for us as a church, that God would bring about the repentance that we need to seek so that we can live the life that he has called us to live, to pursue holiness the way that he's called us to pursue holiness so that we can be the light to the world that they desperately need. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.
Lord, when we come and face you and face your glory and holiness, the change happens. There's no way we can come out of your presence unchanged. So it's better, Lord, it's better that we stay in your presence for just a little bit because a second or a minute in your presence can be a life-changing and transforming way for us, Lord. We give it all to you, Lord. In this holy moment, God, we are thirsty for you. We need you, God. And God, we all want revival, but revival comes with a cost. And revival always starts when repentance takes place. So God, we come before you, we confess, for we have sin. And sometimes the sin still is in our lives, Lord. So we confess, Father, we repent. We turn, God, we turn from our ways, Father, back to you. Would you bring us, Father, fully in obedience to you so we may follow you to the places where you call us to, so we do the things that you want us to do. Oh God, we need you, Jesus. Pour out from your spirit, Jesus, tonight into our hearts. Change us, Father. May we become a church that is shining brightly to this world. And that light cannot be hidden. A city on the hill that everyone is looking at. May we become a church like that. God, we praise you. We love you. And we're so thankful for this community of beautiful people here. And we, every Sunday, we have this privilege to come together in freedom and worship you, God. You are worthy of it all. Our hearts belong to you. Our lives belong to you, Lord. We're thankful. We praise your holy and precious name. And all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. May that prayer continue to ring out in your heart and in this place and this community. Um, so whether you're online or here in the house, um, as a young dad, when my kids were little, I'm not so young anymore, but when they were little, uh, maybe you've done this with nieces, nephews, with your kids, uh, you would do that game where you would pick them up and you would throw them into the air, right? And then you would catch them, and then you would do it again, and then you would do it again, and then pretty soon you got a little winded is uh, the word I would use. And I would put them down. Or, or maybe you would take your niece, your nephew, and, and you would grab them under the arms and you would spin them around and around and around and around and around until like you were both completely dizzy, right? And then you would put them down and you like see if you could stand up. And then like you were done. But then they would always say a simple phrase after that. Anyone have a wild guess what that phrase was? More, do it again, do it again, right? That was always the call. No matter how many times you'd tossed in the air, how many times you had spun around, do it again, daddy, do it again. Or you think of maybe a, another habit that we all have. How many of you wash your hair? How many of you don't have hair to wash? Okay, now I see a couple of you. Uh, but I think you still got to take care of the dome. Uh, anyway, according to statistics, the average person will spend about $35 a year on shampoo. Some of you are looking at 
Um, some of you, uh, the global shampoo market is a $30 billion a year enterprise. Pretty crazy when you think about it. On the back of almost every single bottle, you'll find a simple little phrase that says, rinse and Right? Is my microphone cutting in and out? We'll see if that is better. So rinse and repeat, uh, rinse and repeat. And we kind of all have to go through this. Right? So do it again, Daddy, do it again. Rinse and repeat. I actually wonder if the prophet Micah said the same thing to the people of God 700 years before Jesus showed up. When he got to the culmination of maybe this message that he was trying to get across of, hey, here's what it means to really follow Jesus. Here's what it really means to follow after God. This is 700 years before Jesus actually shows shows up and says, okay, this is what I meant uh, when I gave this message to the prophet Micah to delineate and and to give to you is that you would live this as a kind of lifestyle. And this verse is what we've been wrapping this whole entire series around, Micah 6, 8 t-shirt time. Anyone want to take a shot at repeating Micah 6, 8? Anyone got it? Micah 6, 8. Go for it. Walk humbly with your God. Awesome. Good job. There you go. Anyone else? I've got... Okay, go for it. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, I'm giving you a medium. You might want to switch with Sarah. We'll see if I maybe gave her a small. Anyway, you can figure it out. All right, talk. Okay. Um, Got a couple more shirts I'll give out here at the end uh, tonight, saving one for the person online that did that. But this whole call, this whole series is built off this Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. We want to, uh, we've been trying to incentivize you to, uh, to memorize that, but here's the deal. We want this to be a verse that is way more than just something that you memorize. The reason we're spending so much time on this is because we want to be a church. I want you to be a person. We want to be a people that internalize this. Uh, because this is actually what Jesus is going to show up on the scene and live out and call his disciples, his followers, those who are apprenticing their life after him. And if you're a Christian, that is what he's calling you to, to apprentice after him, to actually live this out. And so tonight, uh, some of this may sound familiar. I actually want to do a recap of a little bit of what we talked about over the last month. And don't tune me out. There's some things here I want us to catch with because the end question is simply this. Where is God challenging you to grow? In which one of these is he challenging you to grow? We are to act justly. Do it again. Do it again. Rinse and repeat. Act justly. Justice is about retribution. You do the crime, you do the time. That is part of the aspect of justice. But in a biblical sense, the actual 
idea that you see in the Old Testament from the word justice is the Hebrew word. Remember, we talked about it the very first week, this mishpat, which is just a cool word. That's a free dog name if you get a new dog. Um, it refers to this idea of restorative justice. It means to go a step beyond just a ministering punishment. It means to seek out those who are being taken advantage of and help them. More than just charity, it means to advocate for the oppressed. It means to seek social structural change to prevent that from happening again. It's rehabilitative in nature, even. So it is this idea of restoring something, taking, helping take people to a different and better place, that whatever blessing God has blessed you with, that you would, it would pass through you onto others, that we are blessed to be a blessing. That was the Abrahamic blessing that was given. This is, I'm going to bless you so you be a blessing to all the nations. So it is this, this course that we're called to as followers of God is to not let blessings stop with us, but let us be a conduit of God's blessing that he gives, that he loves to bless and he loves to bring his justice, which is rehabilitation in some ways and restorative in nature in a lot of ways. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge in a culture that says it's all about you and to make it all about you, to actually take thought of other people. That's why Christine Kane gave this quote in her book, Undaunted. It is one thing to be awakened to injustice and quite another to be willing to be inconvenienced and even interrupted to do something about it. See, justice as believers, as followers of Christ, it means that we actually act justly. There's some action to this in how we step forward. Acting justly is speaking up for those who maybe feel like they are voiceless, while it's also coming alongside people to give them courage to use their voice. Kids grow up and recognize injustice. They say things like, hey, that's not fair. With clarity and great courage, it seems. Very early on. How many of you are parents? Yeah, and you hear that phrase. That ain't fair, right? innately it's a part of who we are and yet it kind of gets weeded out of us at times long before we grow up and begin leaning to the left or to the right we are inherently clear about right from wrong and then we seem to struggle the older we get a second grader knows injustice when she sees it friend don't let yourself age out of it or get amnesia to it we're called to see the world through God's eyes and to notice and pay attention to those in the margins, just like God does, and to have the heart of our creator created and cultivated more and more into us, into the way that we live and the ways that we promote his ways. And if we allow greed to cultivate our hearts to lean in callous ways or toward indifference when we choose to remain silent when we should speak up, we can begin to unfairly weight the scales simply because money or status or power begins to distort our vision of what injustice is around us. Act justly means we champion, like we champion that in movies. We see it on the big screen and go, that's awesome. And then when it comes to the day-to-day -day life of ourselves, you're like, I don't know if I want to become inconvenienced. I don't know if I want to rock the boat or suffer any inconvenience or any kind of backlash of standing up for what's right. But we are to be advocates for justice and what's right for all, not just our own vantage point. To stand with God and for God's will. We're to do so with love. That's the key here, is to do that with love. I love what Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. 
And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's why we're to stand in light and stand in love. We're to act justly. Justice is doing the right thing at the right time. And we each have a choice. We can be stewards of just us, make it just about me, or I can be a steward of justice. And I can speak up for those on the margins, and I can advocate for those that have need, and I can try to stand in the gap and do the best I can with that. We have a mantra we say a lot around here. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. We can't fix every issue in the world, can you? You can't. You don't have those kind of resources, time, energy, or ability. But you can do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And if the believers of Jesus just begin to practice that more, that's how you change the tide of injustice, is each person begins to reach into the, uh, into the spectrum or into the, the abilities that they have, into the opportunities they have, to say, I'm going to do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. Maybe that's why Jesus gave us the golden rule to live by. Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would like them to do to you. We all know what's just because it's what we'd want. And so if we just treated people that way, we are to act justly. We're to love mercy. Act justly and love mercy almost seems like opposites. But the reality is Jesus models how mercy puts a nuance on justice. When we act justly, we can then show mercy. Mercy is not commending or simply overlooking wrongs. It acknowledges what's wrong and we call it out, but then we offer mercy. Mercy is not forgetting. We address it and then we move on. We grant mercy to someone in your life, allows that relationship to continue. It may take time for you to forget or even move past, if ever. But extending mercy says, I'm, I'm choosing to extend this even if I'm struggling to extend it. In a sentence, to love mercy is to extend kindness and compassion whether someone deserves it or not. We can love mercy because it's what God gives us. We can love mercy because it's what truly actually changes people. And we can love and learn to pass along what we've been given an unending supply of, and that's mercy. God continues to pour out his mercy to you. And aren't you thankful? I know I am. Because there's a lot of times I don't deserve it. In fact, most of the time, I don't deserve it. But it is what he continues to pour into me. The cross proves that his mercy is at the core of God's heart. And we're to have his heart formed and molded into us more and more. We must be a people who act justly, yes, but who love mercy and who model mercy because it's what Jesus puts on display most. And do you put it on display? As you have the opportunity, we're to act justly, we're to love mercy, and we're to walk humbly. Walk this way in scripture. Walking is a metaphor for life. It's a Hebrew idiom for this idea of here's what your lifestyle should be. To walk humbly. To walk humbly is simply to live by faith. For faith is the antithesis of pride. 
It doesn't put you first. It's putting God first. Pride alone insists on taking first place, but faith seeks to give God first place. Humility is the virtue required for all who want to be a faithful follower of Jesus. It's what C.S. Lewis wrote. It's what we looked at a couple weeks ago. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's not inflating who I am or or self-deprecating who I am. It's just thinking of myself less. That's what biblical gospel humility is. It's just, it's not all about me. And I'm not just taking thought of me. I can take thought of me, but I'm not only taking thought of me. I'm actually taking thought of other people around me. Ultimately, Jesus models this kind of humility, this kind of reality of what we're to live by. I often wonder if Micah ever felt discouraged. The prophet Micah, prophet Jeremiah, most of the prophets, because the reality is they deliver this message and not a whole lot of people do anything with it. In fact, the people of God then heard this, really didn't change at all, and it's several hundred years later, Jesus shows up and says, okay, now I'm going to live out what I meant for you to understand and grasp back then that you never did. The people never responded. They never moved. They never changed. And we don't have to be like them. We can choose to say, no, we want to live this out in our lifestyle and in our way. They didn't act justly. They didn't love mercy. They didn't walk humbly. And as a result, they continued to live in exile and oppression for the next several hundred years. They missed their moment. They're Micah's words fell on deaf ears, but it doesn't have to fall on our deaf ears. The key is the last word, humility. Humility is clearly defining and understanding the roles between you and God. He's got some roles to play that you can't play. But you have a role to play that he's longing for you to take up and own and go with. See, once you begin to clearly define those roles, it becomes the ability for us to understand, here's what I can do, here's what God can do, and only what God can do. I don't have to worry and try to know everything or try to be everywhere or try to do everything. Omniscience refers to the description of God as all-knowing. God knows the past, present, future. He knows a lot more than you do. Stop trying to take his job. You don't know all those things. Omnipresence is the word used to describe that God is all present everywhere, is boundless, he's not limited but to physicality or mortality. He can be present in all places at all times. You can't. You got limits, you got edges, you got boundaries. So do I. And so don't try to take his job. It's what the psalmist describes in Psalm 139. David writes these words. God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and hold me fast. David's realizing God is God and I am not. He has that ability. Omnipotence refers to God's ultimate power, unlimited power. Stems from the notion that God is creator, created the world, everything in it, and thus displays an awesome power that you cannot fathom. You have creativity and the ability to create, but ain't like him. So stop trying to take his job. 
So it's having a proper perspective. It's living in humility, which means he's big, I'm little. And that's okay. I have a little role to play. And he's wanting me to do that. But he's got a bigger role to play. And I want people to see him in that. Dr. Jeremy uh, Smoke says this, that the word humbly here in Hebrew, you can actually almost even translate it as live wisely. The verb Micah uses here is actually connotes the importance of study and intellectualism. The wise study of scripture and culture, discerning how cultural systems disadvantage people, and then how kindness and justice represents the action of doing something to bring change in their life. Walk wisely begins to pair action and intellect. That intellect that walks out things. You might translate Micah 6.8 as he has told you, O mortal, what is good. Yahweh wants nothing of you except that you would do justice, love kindness, and walk wisely with him, humbly with him. Which lines up with what Eugene Peterson talks about in James chapter 3. James is a book written about... uh, it's fascinating. In fact, if you're here and you're not a believer, um, I just got to tell you, you should read the book of James. Here's the fascinating thing about the book of James. James is actually the brother of Jesus. What has to happen for you as the brother to be convinced that your brother is the actual Messiah? Think about that. James is used by God to write a book of the Bible about his brother And the only reason he's following after his brother is because Jesus came back from the dead. That's what finally convinced James. James didn't buy into it, the beginning part. But when Jesus, and he watched his brother die, and then three days later he sees him in person, James became the leader of the Jerusalem church. Why? Because when your brother gets back up from the dead, it changes you. So if you're a skeptic, man, read James. Because it totally changed his life. He became a martyr for the faith. You don't become a martyr for the faith when you don't think your brother's the actual Messiah. It's crazy. So you should read that as a side note. But like James chapter 3 talks about living in wisdom, right? Here's what uh, Eugene Peterson in the message translation says this. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. Here it is again. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from it. It's animal cunning, devilishly plotting. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get better uh, or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at others' throats. That is a description of our culture, isn't it? And what James is saying is, listen, you can live that way, and you can go with the flow that way, but there's a better way. It's pointing back to Jesus who says, I'm the best possible way to live if you follow me, which actually echoes the words of the prophet Micah 700 years before that. God's shown you, O mortal. What's good and what he's looking for. What he requires of you. That you'd act justly. That you'd love mercy. And that you'd walk wisely. You'd walk humbly with God. He's shown you. There's a better way to live. Act justly. Love mercy. 
walk humbly. Someone should make a shirt. What if we just begin to live that way? See, Jesus is going to show up and say, listen, just follow me. Here's what Micah meant. Here's what he wanted you to get. I'm going to show you. Follow me. So which of those three is God wanting to push you on? To say, hey, I need you to, to ramp up this act justly thing. I need you not just to talk about mercy, but actually to love it and to live this out. I need you to check yourself because you're kind of wrecking yourself. So would you dial back and dial up the humility, dial back the arrogance? Can we work on that? Which one is God pointing you to? See, when I choose to repeat or to do it again, to do it again, to rinse and repeat on justice and mercy and humility, it changes me. Here's how it changes me. It directs my attention to others who have it worse than I do. It makes me aware of those who are overlooked or living in the margins or living in need. It causes my heart to break for those who are not connected yet to God and who are far from him. It pushes me to pick up trash on the street, to open doors for people, to help my neighbor and all those others around me that I can, to take thought of others and not just think about myself. It pushes me to be kind what? That what a concept. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That becomes a mantra I don't just know in my head. It actually is something I try to put into practice. Hey, I can do that. I can't fix all of this, but I can fix this situation right here. I can step into this particular moment right here. It convicts me to stop complaining about silly things and instead to serve how I can. It challenges me to partner with the church and tithing and giving and with other organizations where my resources and my time can make a lasting dent and make a lasting difference, bigger than just what I can muster up. It moves me from a concern about just us or just me to justice for all, to seeking the best for all people. It helps me to step up or to speak up and to advocate on behalf of people that need it. It makes me slow down to want to listen more, to seek to understand and to hear people out. It makes me prioritize the things that matter and not be captivated by the things that don't. It helps me to see the good things in my life as a privilege and as a blessing instead of a right. It helps me to enjoy the now rather than staying stuck in my past or striving so hard to get to my future. It reminds me I'm not the center of the universe, and oddly enough, it actually helps me look more like Jesus, who, by the way, is the center of the universe. That's his job. That's his position, not yours. To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, these are the things that will keep me off the throne and put God back on the seat that he deserves. They will help me live out the calling Jesus has in my life. Friends, following Jesus isn't always easy. But it's not meant to be complicated. That is the takeaway from this series. Following Jesus is tough. And it's not easy. But it's not complicated. We're to live in surrendered posture. 
Jesus, you're the one who deserves it all. You're the one who made a way for me to have a right relationship with God. It's not based on my efforts. It's based on your effort, what you did, what you accomplished. And now as I follow you, I want to be a person that acts justly, that loves mercy. Because I'm a recipient of it, I want to give it. I want to advocate for people and step up and, and stand out for people because it's what Jesus said. They, says he, that they matter. And so they got to matter to me. I want to act justly. I want to love mercy. I want to walk humbly with God. It's not all about me. I don't want to think less of myself. I want to just think of myself less. And so the simple challenge is really simple. In fact, it's right here. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Friend, which of those three things is the Spirit of God nudging your heart tonight, whether you're watching from your living room or whether you're sitting here in the room? Which one is God saying, hey, this one, tapping you on the shoulder, this is the one I want to partner with you on a little bit more in your life. And so here's how I want to end tonight. We're going to worship uh, with another song here in a moment. And, and I'll invite the team to make their way back up. I just want to kind of create space for 30 seconds for you to actually wrestle with that question. This isn't just a pastor saying, hey, which one? Pick one. Woo. No, like I'm actually asking you to wrestle with this, to pray for the next 30 seconds, God, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Which one are you challenging me to take my next step in? And so, Father, that's what we pray. God, these next 30 seconds, we just kind of set aside. We're hitting pause intentionally because it'd be really easy just to hear this message and go, man, that's cool. I got to memorize that verse. You don't want us to just memorize a verse, God. Do you want us to internalize this truth? We want to be a people who live out the call of the prophet Micah, who follow in the example of Jesus, our leader, our savior, the one who leads us forward. We want to be a people who act justly, who love mercy, who walk humbly. So friend, you take the next 20 seconds. Just sit with that. Which one? Ask God to show you what that would look like to take a step a little bit more in that direction. Father, we commit tonight for each one of us to take our step in that. Would you show us? Would you lead us? Would you nudge us? Would you remind us?
Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, what the Lord requires of you, that you would act justly, that you would love mercy, and that you would walk humbly with your God. Been a great series going through this uh, passage on Micah 6 8. So I uh, believe there's still some shirts left. So if you want to head to the 10 minute party, uh, Jack might be giving some out if you want to do that. So if you're new, again, uh, we've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. It's that good that you're going to want to make sure you get that. So make sure you go see him. Uh, one thing we want to make you aware of if you are a lady, so guys, tune me out for a couple minutes. That should be easy. We're really good at that, aren't we? Uh, but ladies, we've got an event just for you coming up. And by we, I mean Christ Community Church does. So um, is Diane here? I thought I might have seen her. I don't think she is. All right. So Diane Knowles has been leading up our, our women's small group uh, that meets here at the church. And so she's got a, an event that she's putting together. It's called the Aspire Conference. Uh, and so it's coming up November 13th. So ladies, if you want to check that out, uh, make sure you email her. All that information's in the app. So if you go into the Elements app, the bottom tab where it says events, you can see the information about that. But um, yeah, happy Reformation Sunday, y'all. Happy Halloween got some candy. There's smarts, smarties and dum-dums. You get to choose which team you want to be a part of uh, out there in the lobby. But uh, yeah, make sure you come back next week to join us. We've got a new series uh, called The Stories of Jesus. And so we're going to be diving into some parables uh, that Jesus shared over the next month. We're excited about that as well. So um, let's all stand together. I'm going to pray and uh, we'll be out of here. So God, thank you so much just for tonight. Thanks for the words uh, that you put on Jack's heart to share with us, not just tonight, but really this whole month of calling us back to the way to just see that uh, it's easy for us to complicate what it means to follow after you uh, by, by adding all these extra things. And, and at the end of the day, what do you require of us, O Lord? You require of us to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. So whatever it is that you spoke to us about just in the last few minutes of which one of those phrases you want us to apply, God, would you give us the strength and the courage uh, to do that this week, to find ways that we can uh, call ourselves back to this uh, so that we can take a, a step of faith and a step of courage uh, to follow after you more closely the way that you've called us to. So Lord, just let us live under your blessing the rest of this week until we get to gather again. Again, we gather uh, so that we can fuel ourselves up to go out and be the light. So allow us to go and shine brightly now into a darkened world that needs joy, that needs hope. And we get to be the carriers of that hope as we go out and live uh, this week. So may we do that in a profound way. May we do that in a humble way where all see that you're the one who gets the glory, not us, God. It's all for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great week.